On this episode, I want to talk about the end of the year blues. And this episode is based on a blog post I wrote a couple of years ago called 10 Tips for Overcoming an Academic uh, Depression. And even though, again, this is meant more for scientists, it applies really to everyone in their career and, and their goals overall in life. This year might be a little bit different because of the pandemic and how bad 2020 was for so many people. But when I wrote this post, I saw tweets about everyone's accomplishments and I had done a lot of things I was really proud of, but I was measuring myself up and comparing myself to others and starting to feel bad about it. So like I said, this year might be a little bit, bit different because people might not be having those or, or saying those accomplishments as much because there's a lot of things affecting productivity. But I don't know, some people might still be doing this because with the pandemic, some people, at least in academia, really hit their nose to the grindstone and they still might be doing similar posts. Regardless, I just wanted to talk this time about reflecting upon your past year, moving forward, and things are not going to change in 2021. We're still going to be in the pandemic and we're not likely going to be out of it until at least summertime. So this week we're going to build upon last week's talking about imposter syndrome and just thinking more about your your life and, and stop and to stop interpreting things to have bad meanings about yourself. Before I start, I just wanted to chat really quickly about two conferences coming up that I'm going to that I'm really excited about. The first one is EmpowerCon. It is meant for women. It's going to be an all-day event, empowering women, inspiring them, getting you excited, getting you motivated. And this is being put on by my friend Carla Doctor. She's also my coach. She's really great. She has a whole lineup of international speakers to talk about things like imposter syndrome, confidence, tons of things. I, I really love her work. So you can head over to my social media to get links for EmpowerCon. Make sure you sign up for my newsletter at uh, fancyscientist.com. You'll definitely get emails about EmpowerCon in my week in my weekly email. The second one is run by another friend of mine, Dr. Ashley Scarlett. She's a newer friend, but we immediately bonded. I like her so much. And she does the podcast Dancing in Pink Hiking Boots, which is all about mindful conservation. And her conference is just that, mindful conservation. So us in the conservation field, it can be really freaking depressing. I mean, let's be honest. You're working so hard to save wildlife that is literally on the brink of extinction or ecosystems. I tend to focus on wildlife because that's what I do, but everything is important. So this is a conference about bringing together um, scientists and people in these fields and working through strategies and talking about issues that we face like depression and using the tools of mindfulness and yoga to help us heal. And also there's just so many connections between mental health 
and nature. And I just think it's going to be a great conference. I'm so excited about it. I'm definitely going. And that is, I believe it starts January 4th. But again, just go to my social media, fancy at Fancy Scientist, and you'll find information about both. Okay, let's get started into talking about academic depression. And we're not going to have that this year. So I'll tell you how we can just stop that in its tracks. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. So what do I mean when I say an academic depression? Well, this happened to me a couple of years ago. Like I said, I was scrolling through Twitter specifically, and I started to see people's tweets about all of the accomplishments that they had. And I have this academic friend, a scientist friend, and we check in all the time. Scientists really measure their success through their publications, and being on the job market, I was especially concerned about the publications that I was having. And there's different metrics to what is successful. I don't know exactly what those metrics are or what people think is good or not, but I reflected back on my year and I realized that I didn't have any publications that I was a first author on. So for science, the way it works is you work as a team. You have an advisor or a principal investigator. If you are the principal investigator, this is like the main scientist on the project, then you usually have graduate students or other scientists collaborating with you. But there's one person, and this is the first author, who is in charge of like leading the study. So like collecting data and writing the majority of it and doing the data analysis. Like they're really, it's really their study. But the last author is the person who, it's usually who makes that study possible. So like I said, the principal investigator. So they're the person with the lab. You're using their lab. They mentored you through the process most likely. And of course, you can do scientific publications without without like that level of hierarchy. You can have a bunch of principal investigators collaborating on one project, but still there's like one person who is leading it. So when you are on the job market for some types of jobs, not necessarily all the jobs that I was interested in, but they care about your publications, so how many publications you have, what journals they're in, especially the ones that you are the first author because that demonstrates that that you you really did it you really got that project finished you you um, pushed it through you got it published that's your project whereas if you're in the middle depending on what type of research you're working on and the different authors that you're working with you might not necessarily do it a lot of work. So for example, some of the papers that I'm on with email, we we ran the camera trap studies and, and because emamel is open access. So for those of you who don't know, this is a camera trap 
image um, storage system. So open access means that you can download the data. And the idea is that scientists will, will make better sense of these data if they're more accessible and conduct meta-analyses, so studies that, that happen over a larger scale. So that's exactly what happens with eMAML data. And I've been contacted recently for a couple of papers that use my data. So I was involved in the data collection, overseeing it, the whole process with camera trapping. But by the time that I'm usually added to the paper, it's really well written in a draft form. So we usually overlook the paper and offer suggestions. So this isn't nearly as much work as if I were to lead my own study. Anyways, wow, that was a big digression. But this year, when I wrote this, I didn't have any first author papers, and I think, no, actually, I did. But one was an education journal. It wasn't. It was. A, it was a lesson plan because I I worked with with teachers, and we did publish one of our lesson plans. I think I did have some where I was a co-author, but like I said, not one of the the better roles to be in. And I was just like, I'm on the job market. I should be doing. Man, I should have first author publications at least one a year, more likely two a year. And I just started to feel bad about myself and just not that, that I wasn't good enough and that I wouldn't get a job. And it's just so silly to think of this, especially for me, because there were jobs that I was interested in. And actually, probably most of these jobs, they, they don't necessarily care about your publication record really academia is is the one that is the is a job that really focuses on publication record so I started to feel bad about myself and I pulled myself up by the bootstraps and I started to think about this and and like we talked about last week in the imposter syndrome episode change my thoughts and stop comparing myself to other people turn it around. So I decided to share my insights with you about some of the things that I have found helpful. And again, this is for scientists, but it can apply to anything. Like like I struggle with this with social media too. We I constantly kind of unconsciously compare myself and 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 judge how I'm doing by the number of followers and how other people are doing by their number of followers. And if they have more than me, I think they're doing better and blah, blah, blah. So here are some tips that will help you through this. And this is, I don't know if this is going to be better for this year or worse for this year because it was a pandemic. So I don't know, people are probably a whole lot less productive, but I know at the beginning of the pandemic that lots of people were saying like how productive they were being. And so that that might be still going on where people use the time to stay home and not socialize to to really work and get stuff done. So let's get started. And I would say the first one that is really, well, for this year, I think I'm going to add one. I don't think I have this on the list, but I'm going to say to give yourself some grace. We went through a freaking pandemic. This is first time 
for everyone, unless you went through the Spanish flu and you're particularly old, it's all of our first times. So there's lots of emotions. It, it's incredibly scary still. It's People respond differently to this virus. You don't know how you're going to respond if you're vulnerable. It's especially an emotional time. So have some grace that you weren't able to focus as much as you could. I know that I couldn't, especially in the beginning, you were what people call doom scrolling, reading the the news and, and reading the bad news. I since then have worked on cultivating my habits that I don't do that. I still stay informed. I still read the news. I subscribe to a newspaper and I watch the news a little bit, listen to a little bit of radio, but check news sites online. So I am informed and I believe it's incredibly important to be informed, but it's also incredibly important to protect your psyche because the news is trying to sell stories and sell clicks. So if there's something that is is bad in the world that you need to know about that's a potential threat to your life, that's likely going to get more clicks than, you know, this was a great day for John Doe. Or I know there's some good news stories out there, but by far the news is mostly negative. And I also want to say here in the U.S., the news is so U.S.-centric. It drives me nuts. When I lived in Kenya and in Nairobi, when I stayed in hotels, we'd have TVs. I just couldn't believe how much other countries talked about other countries. <laughs> like, I was like, here in the U.S., I mean, of course, Kenya talked about Kenya, but a lot of the news was about what's going on in the world. And I was like, wow, like, we would never have these news stories here in the U.S. And then, of course, there are people who struggled a lot with having different responsibilities, especially women with families because childcare was not provided during the pandemic, schools were closed. So let's just say if you survived the pandemic, you did a good job. And I really don't mean that in a sarcastic way, but you you made it through. You're you're still here and even though there's bumps in the road, it's a difficult time for a lot of people. So the first tip is to actually write a ta-da list, like ta-da. And this I got from Gretchen Rubin. She wrote The Happiness Project. I, I really like that book. It's a fun book to read. It basically, she does all these different things that research shows makes human happier. happier. Yeah, and she does that throughout the year. But once you like look back and write down things that you have done or accomplished, I bet you'd be surprised with the different things that you've done. I really always am. And I use this planner called the Best Self Planner, the Best Self Journal. I love it. And one of the things that this journal has you do is you fill out like a weekly evaluation. So I have a weekly meeting with myself and I reflect on the previous week. And because I can look back in my planner and the things that I wrote down 
and crossed off, like I forgot how much progress I made. And especially in science, we're working on things that literally take years in the making. Even even if you have the data analyzed, papers take months to years to publish. So it's a really long process and you can always feel like you're not doing enough and you're not making progress and your wheels are kind of stuck. So going over that on a weekly basis is really great. And then especially looking back at at three months, which is what the job planner or which was what the, the self-journal planner has you do. Or if you look back at your year, then then yeah, you can realize that you did some amazing things. And don't judge all of your accomplishments by what was quote unquote successful. So for example, when I wrote this post, one of the reasons why I didn't get any papers published is because I submitted two National Science Foundation grants with million dollar budgets. If you don't know what a National Science Foundation grant is, oh my God, they are so much work. And it was the first time that I did it. Planning the budget is work, and there's a lot of correspondence between different parties. So this was a huge accomplishment. No matter what happens from that, I did it. And it's something that you get better with over time. So you have to do it a first time, even if your first time is is crappy. With the papers that I was writing, even though I didn't get them out, I had several that were really close to submission, meaning that next year I would probably have several out where I was the first author. So just look at the overall big picture and and be grateful for the things that you did accomplish. I also got this idea from an influencer I follow. Her name is Megan. I can't remember her last name, but she is known as Body Posi Panda on Instagram. She is, well, she actually, I wouldn't call her an influencer. She is involved in the body positive movement and she has just attracted so many people that now she has millions of followers. But I was following her when she only had, I think maybe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers. But she wrote this tweet or this post that I really liked. And again, especially with the pandemic, be easy on yourself. So she writes, for anyone reflecting on their year and feeling like a failure for not doing enough, whatever you did this year is enough. Their their achievements don't make yours any less important, which she means is other people posting on social media. Your value is not measured by your productivity. It's okay if all you did is survive. You are doing better than you think you are. Oh my God, this is so true. You are doing better than you think you are. Stop judging yourself so harshly. This also ties into a couple of other tips, which is to know that you are much more than your career. You're a real person. And we get so wrapped up in our careers because it's just, we put so much meaning on it and so much emphasis on it, at least here in the United States. This is not true worldwide, but there's so much more to us outside of our careers. And going through the pandemic this year, I hope that brought that to the surface for so many people when things were shutting down, when, you know, we didn't really know what was happening. I personally, but I've, I've always, I have been doing this for the past few years, but you reflect on life and what is important. 
and I remember my mom passed away like what five six years ago now and she actually longer than that but she she was she had liver cancer and she slowly got sick she actually she actually lived nine years after she was diagnosed with liver cancer and the doctors only told her she would have up to two years to live max so we were expecting it it was coming for a while but I just remember there are two points where she got really sick and I was, you know, in my PhD and at the time PhD was like the hardest thing to do, the most important thing in my life. But when my mom was sick, I dropped everything and I went home. So take this time to remember what's really important about your life and what else are you besides a scientist? Are you a spouse, a really good friend, a, a son, a daughter? Are you someone's aunt or uncle or mom or dad? There's there's just so much more that we have to offer in this life. And one of the ways that you can remember this is by surrounding yourself with people outside of your career. Since I came to Raleigh, I made a really conscious effort to not make friends, not, not make friends, I shouldn't say that, to have friends outside of scientists. Because when I was in graduate school, all of my friends were graduate students, they were all scientists. So whenever we went out, it was so easy to just talk about science, talk about research, and you know, it, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but people would ask me, you know, how's your research going? And naturally, as human beings and conversations, we're of judging ourselves based on what they say to us, based on how their research is going. So you can't escape that even in social fun environments. So here, I, I didn't have that built-in friend network with graduate students. And although I did make friends with my, my coworkers, I didn't work in a huge lab and I needed to make friends outside of that. So I joined Meetup, which is website and app. It's awesome. I love it. And I've met all of my friends here in Raleigh. And it's just random. Like the group I joined, it was a, a female group. So it was for, for meeting other um, female friends. And I have just met just so many great people. And like I said, it's just like, it's random. And <laughs> And I don't, I do actually have a couple of scientist friends through Meetup, but we never talk about research. And it's just going out with those friends, you leave your job and you remember like what a person you are, what a whole person you are, and that there's just a lot more to life. Okay, the next tip is maybe you have unrealistic expectations and you need to adjust your goals. I constantly deal with this. Even what I do in a single day, I am constantly overestimating what I can do and falling short. And it's not because I'm not working hard, but it's just really difficult, at least it is for me, to figure out how long things take. This was a gigantic struggle with me for science like with every part of science, writing papers, analyzing data, things just took, or even just being in the lab when I was a PhD, like running my samples, things just took at least five times longer than I thought they would take. And I'm still struggling with this. 
next year I am putting science back on the schedule. This year I really focused on my business, but I have at least, I think, six um, research projects I need to finish up and get published. So I'm definitely adding them back in, and I know I'm going to have to start being more realistic about how long I need to finish them. I'm trying, though, for some of these to do it in a month, which I think I could maybe do. We'll see. But anyways, you can see I'm maybe not the best at this. So yeah, maybe your goals aren't realistic because we're not just doing science. We're, we have other projects to do, and those all take time. This next tip is kind of similar to what we talked about last week with imposter syndrome. In the imposter syndrome episode, I talked about changing your thoughts and that you have the ability to choose the thoughts that you want to think. And when you work on repeating them over and over and over again, then they will become your new subconscious thoughts. And when you're choosing your thoughts, you want to choose thoughts that are empowering, not limiting you, not making you feel bad about yourself. So this tip is about reframing your thinking. For example, if you failed at something this year, so if your experiment failed, or if your manuscript got rejected, or if your grant got rejected, this is all just part of the process. And in fact, it's evidence that you are being a scientist. So instead of thinking that it's this big rejection or this big failure, think about it as, as part of the process and that you're getting feedback and that you're getting closer to what you really want. All scientists have failed experiments. It's impossible not to. You're not doing science if something doesn't go wrong. And it's also impossible to avoid rejection. I always look at failure or quote unquote failure and rejection as now being pushed to the right path. And this has really actually happened to me in my career where I had so many different job rejections and I got so frustrated, but I really do believe that it pushed me in the direction that I needed to go in where I would be most happy. And some of those jobs, I am thankful that I did not get them. Some of those jobs that I applied for, I even know the people who got them. They have since moved on or they are unhappy in their job. So it's not all devastation if something doesn't go the way that you think it needs to go. It can actually be a blessing in disguise. So when you reframe your thinking to to, to be that these things are actually good for you or at least neutral for you, then your life just gets so much better. And like specifically when talking about the NSF grants that I mentioned before, like I said, so many people get rejected from this. And actually a lot of scientists think that getting rejected the first time is is I mean of course everyone wants to get it so nobody like wants to get rejected but this is but that it's just part of the process and you get feedback from different reviewers this strengthens this will strengthen your proposal for next year and increases the chances that you can get it I've heard from some scientists that you have to get rejected once to get an NSF grant. I know this isn't true. I know people who have applied for grants and were not rejected the first time, but I think that is rare. So rethink 
the way that you feel about or, or that you think, yeah, feel whatever you think. If you're new, I don't edit these podcasts because at first I was, and it just takes a lot of time. I would much rather be raw and real and honest with you. Everyone flubs up when they're talking, so I just I just think it's fine, and I hope you guys think it's fine too. But anyway, where was I talking? What was I talking about? Yes, reframe your thinking so that things that that most people think are bad are not necessarily bad. Another way to think about it is that these failures and rejections are leading you closer to your goal. So statistically, for example, applying for a professor job, there was a paper that came out and I think the number of applications was like I think somewhere between 15 to 20 a year on average. Although my friends who have applied for professor jobs, it was much higher than that. So anyways, I could be wrong about those numbers. But if you are rejected from, let's say, 15 jobs this year, well, maybe it's because you didn't apply to enough jobs and not necessarily that like... I mean, if if you think about it that way in terms of statistics and not that they're rejecting you, but you just need to get the amount out there. And once you get the amount out there, someone will choose you, statistically speaking. So that's another cool way to think about it is that I have to apply for, you know, 40 jobs before I get one. And each one of those rejections is a step moving forward. Sales people use that a lot in their mentality when when reaching out to customers too, especially when they're cold contacting people. Those are the majority of the tips that I'm going to talk about today. There are others on the blog post. A lot of them have to do with changing your thoughts, like I mentioned imposter syndrome. And one of the ways we can do that is through affirmations. So choosing the thoughts that you that you want to have for yourself and that resonate for yourself. And I'll just briefly touch on these, but what really helps with that is getting out of your your mental state. So going from a bad emotional state to a good one. So when you are in an academic depression, you don't feel good about yourself. So what is some way that you can immediately change yourself to make yourself feel better? I am actually thinking about recording two podcasts this week. I might do a bonus episode because I have been receiving a lot of feedback on this post that I wrote a while back, a YouTube video that I did on palm oil and sustainable palm oil, and basically that there is no such thing. But the thing is, is that boycotting palm oil won't work and it could potentially lead to a much worse result or it's likely to lead to a much worse result. So I haven't talked about that in the podcast, so I might go over that uh, briefly, but I also wanted to talk more about how conservationists need to be in the real world and we can't just keep hoping that these optimistic, idealistic solutions will happen because they won't. You need to think about the local communities. You need to think about economies. And as much as we want to love and protect animals, if you don't have their backing, the conservation projects that you have will fail. They will fail. There's so much evidence of this out there. 
So I think I want to do an episode talking about palm oil and conservation, but also dealing with the pushback that I've gotten from some of these people. I mean, I have been nothing but nice to these people and understanding, and I am getting some say hateful comments but definitely snarky so I just wanted to talk and address about some of the issues that they specifically bring up because it's it's difficult to to talk about on with just Twitter and a couple of characters anyway though I want to talk about that and then the future I think we're gonna have some episodes on self-care and productivity and I am lining up guests for 2021 too so super excited about that have a great day. Happy New Year early. And I hope you take care of yourself. Be kind to animals. Be kind to each other. Bye.